0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mostly Stories. I'm your host, Benjamin Beecher, and in this series, we flip through the pages of some of my favorite books that I used to read growing up. Some of these tales have been told many times before, and some you may not have ever heard of. In any case, I hope you enjoy Mostly Stories. Shan's Lucky Knife A Burmese Folktale Retold by Jean Merrill. In the hills of Burma there is a saying, the boy from the hills marks the side of the boat. If you ask the meaning of the saying, you will perhaps be told the story of Shan and his lucky knife. Shan was a country boy. He lived near the town of Bamo in the hills of Burma. Shan had two possessions, of which he was very proud. The first was a red shoulder bag his mother had woven for him. The second was a beautiful khan, a musical instrument his father had made from a gourd and some bamboo stalks. Once a week, Shan came to down from the hills to visit the bazaar in Bamo. Traders of many countries came to Bamo, and one could buy many curious things there. Their traders showed Shan delicate teacups from China and Tibetan knives and silver sheaths. There were brass bowls from india and long green cigars from rangoon shan had no money to buy any of these things but he liked talking with the traders and hearing the stories of their travels many of the traders came from the capital city of rangoon they brought their goods by boat up the Irrawaddy river other traders came by mule caravan over the mountain roads from india and china and tibet to a boy from the hills Bama was an exciting place. Shan loved to hear the jingle of mule bells that sounded above the town. He liked the jokes and gossip and loud bragging of the boatmen as they unloaded their river boats. Shan had many friends among the traders. When the traders were busy, Shan helped them unpack the goods they had brought to sell. When trading was slow, Shan would play for them on his con or listen to their stories. When a trader saw Shan coming, Shan's red bag could be seen from far off. He would sing out, "Here comes Shan with his beautiful can," and everyone would call to Shan to come see the goods they had to trade. Several traders had tried to get Shan to trade his red bag or his con for some curious thing they had brought from China or India or Tibet, but Shan was too proud of his bag and his con that he would not trade. Some day he told the traders. I will have money, and then I will buy some of your treasures. But I do not want to trade my mother's fine work or the con my father made me. The traders respected Shan for this, and were always glad to see him, even though he would not trade with them. From the traders, Shan heard many stories of the distant places. The stories almost always began with, Were you ever in Rangoon? Or were you ever in Calcutta? Or Lhasa? Or Peking? The traders named all the famous cities they had visited. Always, Shan had to reply, No, I have never been farther than Bamo. The traders would laugh. Ah, that's right, they'd say. You're from the hills. Well, in the city of Rangoon. And they would begin to describe the great bazaar in Rangoon. In time, Shan got tired of saying, No, I have never been to Rangoon. He began to say instead, some day I shall go to Rangoon. The traders smiled. You had better stay in Bamo, they advised. The city is no place for a boy from the hills. But Shan had made up his mind. Now, among the traders who came to Bamo, there was a boatmaster from Rangoon. His name was Kotin. Kotin was rich, greedy, and a clever trader. Kotin often hired his boatmen in Bamo. The countrymen of Bama were stronger than the boatmen of Rangoon. Also, they demanded less money, and sometimes Kotin was able to trick them out of their wages entirely. One morning, when Shan was playing his con for a Chinese trader, Cotin came through the bazaar. He was looking for a boatman. A boatman who had been tricked of his wages had refused to go back to Rangoon on Cotin's boat. Kotin needed someone to take his place. Shan jumped to his feet. I would like to go to Rangoon, Shan said. How much do you pay? Kotin looked the country boy up and down. Can you pull as much weight on an oar as a man? He asked. I think so, Shan said. Kotin gripped Shan's arms to test the hardness of his muscles. Shan was strong for his age. Of course, Kotin said. As you are only a boy, I can pay you only a boy's wages. That's all right, Shan said. Tin was very pleased with Shan. Shan promised a man's work for a boy's wages, and Tin felt sure that a boy from the hills would be no match for a clever Rangoon trader when it came to settling accounts at the end of the trip. It is agreed, then, Tin said. I will give you food for the time you're on my boat and one half of a man's wages. When Shan told his friends that he was going to Rangoon with Tin, Several traders warned him about Kotin's tricky ways. He will pay you no money until the boat returns to Bamo, said an Indian trader. That's all right, Shan said. Then I will not be tempted to spend my money foolishly in Rangoon. I will save it to buy one of your treasures. You will be lucky if he pays you at all, said a Chinese trader. Yes, a Tibetan trader warned Shan. When the time comes to pay you, he will tease you to make a bet with him. He will persuade you to bet the entire sum of your wages, and there will always be a trick in the bet. No boatman ever wins a bet with Cotin. I will not make any foolish bets, Shan said. Shan went home to tell his father and mother goodbye. His mother washed his red bag for him, and his father polished the can. Take care of your bag, said his mother. I will, Shan promised. "'Wrap your con in your shirt at night to keep off the dew,' said his father. "'Of course,' said Shan, and he set off for the boat. The trip to Rangoon took many weeks. Kotin watched Shan closely to see that he did a man's share of the work. Shan learned quickly how to handle the long poles the boatmen used to push the boat in the shallow water near the river banks, and he did not shirk his turns at the oars which the men used where the water was deeper. He was skillful with the sails too when they had to be raised and lowered. The boatmen teased Shan because he was a country boy and never been away from home before. They made up wild stories to see how much foolishness he would believe and they played jokes on him. They fastened fish hooks to the bottom of his pole so that it caught on the river bottom and pulled him into the water. They plugged the pipes of his khan with leaves so that no sound came. Kotin watched the teasing. He saw that Shan was easily fooled by the boatmen, and he laughed himself. The night before the boat reached Rangoon, Kotin called Shan aside. If I were you, said Kotin, I should buy a chicken in Rangoon. Why? asked Shan. Chickens in Rangoon cost very little, Kotin said. But in Bamo, they bring a high price. As you know, if you were to buy a cock in Rangoon and take it home to sell in Bamo, you would make a good profit. But I have no money to buy a chicken, Shan said. You will not pay me until we return to Bamo. True, Kotin said. However, you may sell me your shoulder bag and your con. No, Shan said. I do not want to sell my things. You think like a country boy, Kotin said. Let me advise you, if I were to give you a rupee for your bag and your con, you could buy a chicken in Rangoon. You might be able to sell the chicken for five rupees in Bamo. With your profit, you could buy back your bag and your con. But you may sell them before we get to Bamo, Shan said. I will give you the first chance to buy them, Koten promised. I see, said Shan. That seems a very good plan. So... Shan gave Kotin his bag and his can. Kotin paid Shan one rupee, and when the boat reached Rangoon, Shan went ashore to buy a chicken. The bazaar in Rangoon was much larger than the bazaar in Bamo, and there were many wonderful things to buy there. Strange fruits, delicious candies, carved elephants, marionettes, gaily striped silks, silver bowls, and painted boxes. Shan looked at everything, but he held on to his rupee until he came to the animal market. There, he bought a black chicken. The chicken was good company for Shan on the trip back to Bamo. He followed the boy around the boat and ate from his hand. Each evening, when the boat was tied up for the night, Shan asked the cook for a handful of rice to feed his chicken. Kotin watched Shan feeding his chicken and smiled to himself. "'You have chosen a bird with a very good appetite,' Cotin said. That was true. The chicken grew bigger and sleeker every day. Shan felt sure he would bring a good price in Bommel. Shan was eager to get home so that he could sell the chicken and buy back his bag and his con. It bothered Shan to see his bag over Cotin's shoulder. Shan could not forget a moment. That Cotin had the bag. The boatmaster used it as a money bag and there was clinking of coins whenever Cotin moved about the boat. It bothered Shan too to see Kotin trying to play the can. Kotin held the instrument clumsily, and the sound he blew were not musical. The boatmen grumbled about Kotin's playing. They told Shan they would be glad when Shan got his instrument back. The day before the boat reached Bamo, Kotin began to count out the rupees he owed each of the boatmen. He stacked the coins in piles on the deck, and each boatman, in turn, came to collect his wages. Each man counted his money carefully, to be sure Koh-Tin had not cheated him. Kotin asked several of the boatmen if they would like to make a bet with him, but these boatmen had worked for Kotin before. They knew his tricks and would not make any kind of bet with him. At last, it was Shan's turn to collect his money. Kotin had counted out one and a half man's wages. Shan held out his hand for his money, but Kotin did not give it to him. Instead, he gave Shan a long paper covered with figures. What is this? Shan asked. That is the amount of money you owe me, said Koten. What for? Shan asked. You have been feeding your chicken with my rice, Koten said. I agreed to feed you during the trip, but I did not agree to feed your chicken. You must pay me for what the chicken has eaten. All right, Shan said. How much will that be? It comes to exactly the amount of your wages, said Tin, So, we are even. I do not owe you anything. I see, said Shan. Kotin scooped up Shan's wages and put them back in the shoulder bag. The other boatmen laughed at the ease with which Tin had tricked Shan. A boy from the hills is no match for a Rangoon trader, one of them said to Shan. When we get to Bamo, you had better stay there. I don't know about that, Shan said. I think this has been a lucky trip for me. I saw Rangoon, I learned how to pull a boat, and I have this fine chicken. The boatmen were amused. Yes, they agreed, you are lucky to have that chicken. You are lucky to get home with anything at all. When the boat arrived in Bamo, Shan went at once to the bazaar. He sold his chicken to an Indian trader for six rupees. Then he hurried back to Kotin. I've come to buy back my bag and my con, Shan said to Kotin. Oh, said Kotin, how much money have you? Six rupees, Shan said. Ah, said Kotin, he was surprised the chicken had brought so much. It will cost you ten rupees to buy your bag back and your con. But you only paid one rupee for them, Shan said. That was in Rangoon, Kotin said, In Bamo, the price is more. I see, Shan said. However, Kotin went on, if you would like to go down the river on my next trip, you might earn enough to buy back your things. Alright, Shan said. Shan put aside two of his six rupees. With four rupees, he bought two knives from a Tibetan trader. The knives were exactly alike. Each had a sheath decorated with silver, and the handles were of a curious design. Why do you want two knives exactly alike? asked the trader. I like the curious design, Shan said. Well, they are good knives, said the trader. If you have to protect yourself, they will bring you luck. That's what I thought, Shan said. He slipped one knife into his belt and the other inside his clothes, and went back to the boat. The other boatmen were astonished to see Shan again. Why, it's Shan, they said, the lucky boy from the hills. Well, Shan, said one of them, going to buy another chicken in Rangoon? I don't know about that, Shan said, but I expect this trip will be even luckier than my first one. You see, I have this curious knife. Shan showed the boatman one of the knives he had bought. It is a curious knife, said one of the boatmen. But how do you think it will be of help to you? I don't know, Shan said. I only know it's a lucky knife. Does it cut two ways at once? Asked another boatman. No, Shan said. But I do think it's a lucky knife. Do you plan to cut off Kotin's tins head? asked a third. No, Shan said. I wouldn't do that. All the way to Rangoon, the boatman teased Shan about his lucky knife. Every evening after supper, Shan sharpened the knife against the side of the boat. Then, he carefully polished the blade. Kotin tin observed the great care Shan took of his knife. What is so special about the knife? Kotin tin asked. Only that it's lucky, Shan said, and he would not say any more about it. When the boat arrived in Rangoon, Shan went ashore with the two rupees he had saved from the sale of his black chicken. With one rupee, he bought a white chicken, and with the other, he bought enough rice to feed the chicken on the trip back to Bamo. He's learning, said one of the boatmen. At least Kotin cannot change him for his rice this time. ''It's that lucky knife,'' said another. ''You can't fool a boy with a lucky knife.'' Koten saw that Shan was learning. He realized he would have to be even more clever this time if he were to trick Shan out of his wages. Koten tried to think of a bet he could make with Shan, a bet in which Shan would lose both his wages and his chicken. One afternoon, when the boat was not far from Bamo, Cotin noticed Shan sharpening his knife against the side of the boat. Cotin shouted at Shan for neglecting his work. Shan looked startled, and the knife slipped from his hands and fell into the river. "'Quick, dive for it!' shouted one of the boatmen. "'There's no hurry,' Shan said. "'I'll get it when we stop for summer.' "'Supper.' Shan borrowed a knife from one of the other men and made a mark on the side of the boat. "'What are you doing?' asked Koten. I'm marking with the spot where I was standing when the knife fell so that I can get it later, Shan said. Don't be foolish, said one of the boatmen. We will be far upstream by supper time. If you value your knife, dive at once. But I've marked the place, said Shan. I can get it any time. Do you imagine that your knife is going to swim along behind us, asked another boatman. I don't know about that, Shan said, but it is a lucky knife and I've marked the side of the boat." The boatmen shook their heads. Kotin saw his chance. Perhaps you'd like to make a bet, he said to Shan. A bet? Shan said. Yes, Kotin said, as to whether you'll find your knife. Oh, I'll find it, Shan said. I've marked the side of the boat. Even so, said Kotin, I'm willing to bet. When we stop for supper, you can dive for your knife. If you find it, I will give you double your wages. But if you do not find it, you must give me your wages and your chicken. Shan looked surprised. Surely you do not want to make such a foolish bet, master. He said to Tin. I shall certainly find the knife. You can see for yourself how I have marked where it fell. Tin pretended to study the mark. The mark is clear enough, he agreed, but I'll take a chance, and I think I have an even chance. You may not have marked the place exactly. Come, will you bet your wages and your chicken? Shan thought a moment. Well, master, Shan said, if you think you have an even chance, I think we should make an even bet. What do you mean? asked Tin. If I am going to bet everything I own, Shan said, I think you should bet everything you own. Cotin laughed. For a boy from the hills, you drive a hard bargain. But never mind. Everyone knows I am a sporting man. It shall be as you say. Cotin winked at the boatman. I will bet my boat and everything on it against your chicken and your wages. All right, Shan said. But I do think you are being foolish. The boatman felt sorry for Shan. But they agreed that if Shan had no more sense than to bet with Tin, he deserved to lose his wages. Tin could hardly wait until the boatmen stopped for the evening meal. When at last, they did, Shan took his time eating his supper and feeding his chicken. tin paced impatiently up and down the deck. Come, come, he called finally. I cannot wait all night. Shan got to his feet stretch, and walk to the side of the boat. The boatmen all crowded around to see the fun. Now, said Tin, dive for your knife. Shan found the mark he had made and dove into the water. Under the water, Shan reached inside his clothes and found the second knife he had bought from the Tibetan trader. He swam to the surface, brandishing the knife. The astonished boatman helped pull Shan from the water. Shan tossed the knife onto the deck at Ko-Tin's feet. The boatmaster stared at the knife. There is some trick, he gasped. I told you it was a lucky knife, Shan said. One of the boatmen picked up the knife. He dried it on his shirt and examined it carefully. He passed it to the other boatmen. They shook their heads in amazement. A trick, a trick, Ko-Tin screamed. The boatmen began to laugh. Cotin seized one of them by the arm. You saw him, he shouted. You saw him trick me. The boatman shrugged. A bet is a bet, he said. The boy did not ask you to bet with him. The boatman handed Shan the knife. Your knife, master, he said softly. Your lucky knife. Shan then took command of the boat. Bring me my Khan and my shoulder bag, he ordered Kotin. Shan's red bag was heavy with rupees. Shan emptied the coins onto the deck. There will be enough rupees to pay everyone double his wages when we reach Bamo, Shan said. but let us get there in double time. He handed an oar to Kotin. Kotin groaned. perhaps you would rather swim to Bamo, Shan said. Kotin picked up the oar and shawn picked up his con Sean played a fast gay tune and the boatman rowed in time to the music before the sun came up the boat was inside of bamo it was a great day in bamo when the new boatmaster strode into the bazaar with his white chicken on his shoulder and his curious knife in his belt the traders of bamo are still talking about it and whenever a trader from the city tries to drive a hard bargain with a country trader Someone in Bama will warn him. Take care. The boy from the hills marks the side of the boat. This has been Shan's Lucky Knife on Mostly Stories with Benjamin Beecher. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave a rating or subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for listening to Mostly Stories.